Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Happy Wednesday morning. This could be the end for LeBron James in Cleveland, effectively. Tonight is game three. If you are of the opinion that this series is going to be remotely competitive, I think beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is a must-win game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, the Warriors are a four-point favorite, but what the Warriors have shown us so far in the playoffs is that they do not have a proverbial killer instinct. They went and lost to the Spurs in their first-round series. They lost to the Pelicans in their second-round series. They nearly blew their Western Conference final series against the Houston Rockets when they had a chance in Game 4 to put this game away forever. They were up 12 in the fourth quarter. They had a chance to go up 3-1 in that series. Then they would have never had to come back in Game 7 and win like they did. All of those factors are at play tonight. But when you really look at the larger universe, if you are paying attention to the NBA season, 
if you assume that the Warriors are going to be together for another year, and that seems to be very likely, then LeBron James has got an interesting decision to make if he loses and will immediately turn the page from, oh, maybe this could be a somewhat interesting series to where will LeBron James go. And if you pay attention at all to the odds markets, something interesting has happened. The Houston Rockets have moved into a precipitous favorite right now to sign LeBron James. That means, in theory, LeBron could be headed down to Houston to play with James Harden, to play with Chris Paul, his good buddy, and to try to end the Warriors playing from within their own conference. It seems to me that the I have been saying this from the get-go. I've been saying from the get-go that, to me, LeBron going to the Rockets made the most sense And now the odds markets are starting to agree with me. If you gamble in the offshore markets or at all find these interesting, then LeBron James is now plus 150 to go to the Houston Rockets. And if you think that that is not going to be a massive story as we come down towards decision 3.0, that is going to be one of, I believe, if not the top stories uh, for uh, the next couple of months is going to be where in the world is LeBron James going to go? And I find that story in in general pretty intriguing. Now, if you're watching it, this is according to uh, sportsbookreview.com, the Rockets are plus 150 uh, to get LeBron at the end of this season. The Cavs are 3-1. to one. Uh, Sorry, the 76ers are 3-1. to one. The Cavs are 3.5-1. to one. The Lakers are 4-1. to one. And then you go into big numbers. The Spurs, 12-1. to one. The Warriors, 16-1. to one. The Clippers eighteen to one, and the Heat twenty five to one. Can you imagine if LeBron James decided that he didn't care about how much money he took, he is going to make, and he just decided to go to the Warriors to guarantee himself a championship? Can you imagine the reaction that would befall LeBron James if that were to actually end up happening? But as we look at Game Three tonight, to me the real question out there is: Do the Cavs have it in them to win this game? Because they win this game. Then Friday night's game is somewhat entertaining because you're thinking to yourself, okay, the Cavs came back from an 0-2 deficit to the Boston Celtics. Maybe they can win game four, and we can at least have a game five that matters going back to uh, going back to the Warriors. If they lose, all bets are off, and effectively this series is over. And so um, in the larger context, I also think it matters for the NBA's decision in the offseason about whether or not to consider redoing 1-16 to the NBA playoffs instead of seeding uh, as they are right now, uh, 1-8 to in the East and 1-8 to in the West. I think all of those uh, stories are at play, and I think we're going to, uh, to get a, uh, a major kind of storyline in general associated with that. Let me bring in the crew here early. Obviously, there's no games uh, to talk about. I don't want to spend... Uh, the, this entire show talking about the um, the Donald Trump uh, and uh, and the sports world's feud because uh, we talked about that a lot yesterday and I'm trying to avoid talking about Trump and the national anthem every single day uh, for the next 15 years uh, which seems like right now what we're going to be doing Jason Martin is it over do uh, do you believe that the Cavs are going to be able to win game three or have you got the Warriors I think they can win it, but I'm taking the Warriors. I think so. It's you over. think effectively it's three zero, and it's going to be. I mean, if the Warriors lose Game Four, which they did against uh, the San Antonio Spurs, and uh, and end up in that situation, 
and it's 3-1, and they're going back to, to Golden State. I know that they lost the 3-1 deficit before, but going up 3-0 effectively ends this thing. So the Warriors know if they have that killer instinct, tonight is their opportunity to get it done, and you think they get it done. I do. I mean, a couple of things. One being that the savior of the Cleveland Cavaliers, at least according to Cleveland fans who asked for it, and now Ty Lue has said it's going to happen, is Rodney freaking Hood. <laughs> Rodney Hood that's played seven minutes total since Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. He's the one that's going to come in and bring the Cavs back from the brink of disaster. I look at this, and this is what I said after Game 1 on Friday. I felt like what happened to the Cavaliers in Game 1 was real close to what happened to the uh, Toronto Raptors against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Round 2 this year, where they had Game 1 and should have won it, didn't win it, kind of in catastrophic fashion. This one was worse than that one, certainly. And then after that, they just got their doors blown off. If you remember Game 2 of that series... They got killed, and that's what we saw on Sunday night, really. I mean, they played them tough, but then eventually the Warriors just shot them completely out of the gymnasium. There was at no point, we talked about this too, uh, you and I, there was no point in Game 2 where you actually thought, oh, the Cavs are in good shape to win this game. It just felt like the Warriors were the equivalent of uh, an adult playing a kid, and they were trying to keep the game close, but if the adult ever really wanted to pull away, he could. Yeah, that's the way it felt to me. It felt like the Cavs weren't ever in a position to win it they were just trying not to get embarrassed and for a long time they did that you know it would go to 11 and then there'd be a couple of buckets and they cut it to five and then clay or steph or kd would hit a couple of shots and it would blow back up to 11 and then finally we're sitting at 20 after steph went wild early in the fourth quarter and it was a wrap but that's kind of what i was waiting to see happen i knew that that wrap was coming it was how fast was it coming so tonight is lebron going to go out and give you 50 he might. I don't think he's checked out on this team. Uh, pretty much he's been addressing questions about a video that's gone viral about him on the sidelines for the last couple of days, and he had a real snarky response to that yesterday because he's taken a lot of criticism for not being a leader after J.R. Smith forgot the score I, or maybe I, I, his own name. When I, watched the, when I watched that video, I said, my God, if I could have seen this video before the start of overtime, I would have put every spare dollar to my name on the Warriors to win. And I do think that reflects poorly on LeBron that this has always kind of been what I've said in a negative way about LeBron James is that he wants you to take note of his emotions. He is is the ultimate king millennial in that he feels when he's upset, he wants everybody else to know he's upset. And I would have, it, frankly, if, if you want to talk about the, the way that other guys who are great would have responded, I would have felt a lot better if one of two things have happened. If LeBron had completely dressed down J.R. Smith in that huddle and he had said, hey, listen, you blew it, you know, like let him have it and then hype him back up at the end. But now it's overtime. None of that matters. Or if he had, uh, if he had, completely tried to gather his teammates and said, hey, you know what? If you had told us before game one, we're 13-point underdogs, hey, we're going to end up in overtime, you'd have felt great about this. Yes, we could have won the game. All that proves to me is that we're as good of a team as they are. Let's go out and win this in overtime. There are a couple of different ways I could see him responding that could have been favorable. Putting his head down, sulking, refusing to acknowledge his teammates – 
refusing to interact with them in any way, even when they're trying to reach out to him. Yeah, I mean, I just thought that that video, um, and, uh, and, and here's the other thing. Everybody wants to praise LeBron James for how aware he is on the basketball court. Why didn't he know how many timeouts were left? I'm pretty I mean, sure he is, did, Clay. I'm pretty sure that was a lie. I'm pretty sure he was doing that so he could emote it, Ty Lue, just to show up Ty Lue for not calling yes. a timeout. Well, that might be true, but if he didn't know, if he didn't know, then that's on him a little bit too. Because when he sees J.R. Smith reacting in an idiotic fashion, I think Ty Lue from the bench should have called a timeout the minute he saw J.R. Smith and saw that J.R. Smith was not putting up the shot, but. I you, you may well be right. That could have been LeBron James just putting on an acting display to demonstrate how inferior everyone else on his team is to him. But I think when you watch that video, it's hard to believe that LeBron is going to return to uh, to the Cavs. And, uh, but again, I mean, if you had told me, man, what's going to happen in overtime? Here's, that, here's this two-minute video to watch. I'm not kidding. I would have gone and tried to get as much money down on this game in overtime as I possibly could for the Warriors because that was an awful look, and it's not surprising to me that the Warriors came out and scored the first seven and eventually won by 10 or 11 or whatever the final score of that game was. Um, So I think the question in many ways is how plugged in is LeBron going to be? Is he over his pouting now that he's had several days to get ready? Um, and what kind of game, if any, will we get tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern when this game tips off in Cleveland? And frankly, is it going to be the last legitimately competitive game that we see LeBron play in Cleveland? I know game four is going to happen, but if the Cavs go down 3-0, basically game four, I guarantee you on Friday when we come on this show, we'll be saying it's basically LeBron's farewell to Cleveland if you pay attention to all the odds markets out there. Uh, what about you guys in L.A.? Do you think it's over? Do you think that uh, the Cavs have any chance to win game three, or do you think the Warriors are going to slam the door? Yeah, I think the Cavs definitely have a chance. They're similar to the Celtics in the way that they play at home. What, they've only lost one time this postseason? It was the first game. Yeah, yeah the first game of the playoffs, and they got Against blown the Pacers, out by the yeah. Pacers. Now, they could have lost several games at home. True. They've won them close. But they, uh, they do look like a different team at, at home, especially with their shooting percentage. True. So. Uh, there is a possibility, but I'll say this. If the Warriors have another one of their third quarters and they wind up winning by 10, it's going to be a sweep. So we'll we'll learn a lot about the Cavs when they come out and start the game. If, if they don't look like the Cavs at home in the postseason, then they're done. And th- what this would be to the NBA is for a long time, you are on an absolute roll uh, with the NBA, right? The playoffs start to kind of uh, get catch fire. You've got the first time since I think like the 1970s that both the Eastern and the Western Conference playoffs go seven games. And then suddenly you get to the NBA finals and it's a total dud because as many of us anticipated, this was not a matchup that was worth uh, paying attention to. By the way, the Warriors are minus 2,500 to win this series. That means that the Vegas and the offshores and everybody else are giving the Warriors right now a 96% chance to win this series. What about you, Justin Cooper? Who you got? Well, I mean, I kind of have the same sentiment as Danny on this. I do think that if the Cavs are going to win a game, because I originally said that it's going to be Warriors in five, and so I think this is going to be the game that the Cavs win, but if they don't win it, it's over. It's a sweep. Here is a uh, you know interesting question, kind of as you roll into uh, to to the the games ahead. 
It is, um, is there any chance, and we'll probably spend some time talking about this, is there any chance, we're going to talk a lot about LeBron, where he's going to end up, and like I said, the Houston Rockets, now the team of, of the moment that is favored to get LeBron James' services. Is there any chance that Kevin Durant, I believe, who has the opportunity to kind of look around a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, with two titles in his back pocket, is there any chance that Kevin Durant looks around a little bit? Hashtag says, future Laker. Yeah, hashtag future. Ha, has got, I mean, I'm just kind of curious on this. I've seen the reports like, oh, it's 100% he's going to come back. And now I've seen the reports out there, oh, it's 95, 96% chance he's going to come back. Is there any chance that if they win this series, which it seems very clear they're going to do, that Kevin Durant now with two titles doesn't feel the pressure on his back anymore to go out and win more titles? I, I think it's kind of sure. a uh, it's kind of a fascinating question if you think about the psychology of Kevin Durant, who seems to care so much about what everybody else says about him. I mean, I think ultimately we are the reason uh, collectively as fans that Kevin Durant decided to go join the Golden State Warriors because we value championships to such an extent now that if you don't have a championship that hangs on your you know it's kind of weigh, weighs on you and it's hard to forget. If you get two titles. Um, is he a little bit like LeBron was after LeBron had two titles down at Miami where he feels like, okay, now I can go back and rebuild my image? Like, for instance, uh, if, if Kevin Durant made the decision to go to, like, uh, like uh, the ULA uh, loons out there who are huge Laker fans, if he made the decision to go to LA instead of LeBron. Or, and I don't know what the Washington Wizards situation is uh, from a salary cap perspective, but I guarantee you if Kevin Durant said, hey, uh, I'm going to pull a LeBron. I want to come back home and try to bring a championship to the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, given the caps, it wouldn't be uh, as as much of an end of the title drought. But the, the Warriors would do whatever was within their power to try to clear cap space. They'd trade whoever they needed to to get Kevin Durant onto that team. I think that's that's fair to say. I don't think that's an outlandish proposition at all. That could be an interesting storyline to pay attention to as well, whether Kevin Durant might be interested in in uh, in exploring his own uh, his own pathway right there. Um, the other question is: Is Andre Iguodala ever going to play again? Have we been lied to about what the severity of his injury is? Um, if he's not playing in Game Three, I think it's probably fair to say his his season is over, um, and uh, that's kind of disappointing. I would say just in terms of uh, of what he could have done because I would have liked to have seen him going up against LeBron at some point in time. All that to discuss uh, roadmap for where the show is going. We have got uh, John Campbell who is going to join us uh, in uh, at the bottom of the hour here. Uh, we'll get some gambling perspective from him, Johnny uh, Oddshark on Twitter. And uh, then in hour two, we've got another great debate. I think you guys are going to love it. Uh, I won't preview what it is. I will just tell you that it is going to be a phenomenal, great debate. Uh, and then in hour three, uh, Petros Papadakis is going to join us. He didn't join us on Tuesday. He should be set up and good to go on hour three of today's show. So if you're out there, you're rolling around, maybe you're listening on the podcast, you're wondering what's still to come. Lots of good stuff. We're going to have a uh, great time. Wednesday edition, Outkick the Coverage. Hope all of you are having a fantastic morning. Let's keep it rolling here on the in the Geico Outkick Studios. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want. 
So you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Also, uh, June 6th, uh, 2018, I believe I'm doing the math right, 74th anniversary of D-Day. Last year, I was on the beaches of Normandy in July. That's where I went on uh, family vacation. And I got to tell you, one of the most awe-inspiring things I have ever seen in uh, in my life. You ever get the opportunity to go overseas and to see those uh, landing zones, to see those beaches in Normandy, they're not, by and large, very much different in the way they look today than the way they looked 70 years ago. It's still a lot of farm country. You can look some of these places, have side-by-side photographs. I mean, they still have the weapons uh, from the Nazi forces that are up um, in some of the pillboxes, and uh, it is awe-inspiring to think about how brave a lot of those kids were, many of whom would never come back from Europe but to be in one of those landing ships at 17, 18, 19 years old as uh, you knew that that gate was going to drop at any moment and you were literally going to be walking into a hail of machine gun fire uh, with Nazis poised on the cliffs above you uh, and your uh, life basically out of your control completely. A lot of talk now about, uh, oh, I mean, oh, it's so... uh, The people are perpetually upset and perpetually outraged. The things that we get upset about today are minor, minor level inconveniences in the context of what this country has been through historically in the past. And I would encourage you to go out, if you want some perspective on the world, go out and buy a book about D-Day today. Go out and buy a book about D-Day this week and read about what real heroes went through and were capable of overcoming if you are in any way troubled by the current state of the country. Because I always say this, context is a great teacher. And what we lose very often in our country today is the ability to contextualize anything. Um, you, You may be upset. We're nothing like the challenges. We have nothing like the challenges that we had in World War II or during the Civil War, or during the Revolutionary War, or during the Great Depression. Uh, People who are like, oh, this is the most terrifying time in the history, they have no idea. Uh, I'm a history major. Uh, I read history on a regular basis because it ennobles the mind and expands your universe. And so few people are capable of reaching outside of their modern memory, which is why everything is the newest and the latest, and there's nothing like it before. And if you think about things from a historical perspective, that oftentimes is not true at all. History very often is a circle. And um, right now we are not at a troubling and difficult part of history from a uh, the context of actually studying the things that our country or our world have been through. And uh, I think it's just worth taking the time today for a couple of minutes to contemplate, even maybe go online and read an article about D-Day Um, that really truly is, I believe, the greatest generation of Americans, but also to think about if you're a young guy or girl, does my generation have the ability to get onto ships and step out into a hail of gunfire to approach Nazis waiting in pillboxes on a beach trying to hellbent to kill you? Or are you really good at getting on the internet and retweeting something about how bad Nazis are? Because I think if we had to rely on a draft in our modern generation, to go beat the Nazis in Europe right now, 
I'm not sure that I have that much confidence in the current generation of American draftees to do what those kids did 74 years ago. Uh, let's bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia. Let's get an update on what's shaking the world of sports, and then we'll go to John Campbell from Odd Shark. Eddie Garcia, what you got for me, my man? Well, Clay, let's give you a Geico playoff update. Game number three of the NBA Finals coming up tonight in Cleveland, where the Cavaliers will take it on the Warriors. Golden State leading the series two games to nothing. Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue told reporters Tuesday that Rodney Hood will see more action in game three. He's only played seven minutes in the team's last seven playoff games. Warriors guard Andre Iguodala, who has missed the last six games with a knee injury, has been upgraded to questionable for game three. The team believes he will be on the court in either game three or game four. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. A couple of notes from baseball. Max Scherzer, the Washington Nationals, becomes the first 10-game winner in the major leagues this year. And J.D. Martinez of the Boston Red Sox, the first player this year to reach the 20-home run mark. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good deal. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Uh, we are going to be joined here momentarily by John Campbell from Odd Shark. We'll break down the game going on tonight. Also get you ready for the question, will the Caps be able to actually end the long national title, the long title drought that has existed in the Washington, D.C. area where there's been a lot of futility since the Redskins won their last Super Bowl? Uh, all of that still to come. I also want to hit, there's a great article in the uh, Wall Street Journal about Steph Curry and how he's remade his game since they lost in game uh, the, the the series two years ago to uh, to the, uh, the the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from the three one series deficit when Steph Curry was unable due to his health to really kind of get to the to the rim and be able to finish it's it's a fascinating stat and and I I think a lot of people are going to be blown away by this um, the stat in particular that jumps out to me is that Steph Curry has become so proficient at finishing at the rim. And we've talked about this some on the show, that Steph Curry at the rim is actually more valuable now from a scoring perspective than Steph Curry shooting threes. And he finishes in almost as efficient of a manner at the rim as LeBron James does in the playoffs, which I think is making a lot of people raise their eyebrows, uh, particularly because Steph Curry plays beneath the rim, whereas LeBron James obviously plays above it. We'll get to all of that here momentarily. But first, John Campbell joins us at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. Is it over? What are the markets telling us here? Are the Cavs done, or do they have one last scare in them? Well, the markets definitely say it's over uh, because the Warriors are, are looking at a minus 2300 price tag right now. So $2,300 to win 100 if you want to take the Warriors. But game three, there might be some value here with Cleveland. Uh, teams that go up 2 nothing in the finals only win game three at 40% in the finals, even though they go on to win the, the series almost 90%. So game three is a big one. I'm not sure the sweep is going to happen. The sweep is paying plus 125. But this is a big one here. I'm looking at Cleveland uh, in, in game three here. How would the split go? Uh, the Cavs, I believe, are four-point underdogs at home in Game 3. Is this something where the public is coming in heavily on the Warriors, or are they backing the Cavs? And I ask that because some people like to fade the public. They like to pay attention. I know all the money just about was on the Cavs in Game 2, and the Warriors came out and covered with ease. What about Game 3? 
Well, I, I think we will see Cavs money come in. The line's bounced around between five and four and a half so far. So uh, some some early Cavs money, I, I, I think it might be split here a little bit with a little bit more Cavs money in, in game three here. There's a lot of people who love LeBron and are rooting for him out there. I think the Cavs will get every opportunity in Game Three uh, from the officials. They'll have home. They'll have home court advantage. So, uh, I, I think we might see a little bit more Cavs money, but money line money uh, that's coming in on the Warriors, and, and that price is down uh, a bit. I think that's what we'll see: money line Warriors, Cavs spread. What's interesting also is there were a lot. There's a lot of talk about who was going to win the MVP, and after Steph went off for nine three pointers and had the game that he did in Game Two. It's effectively a done deal now, right? Everyone is anticipating that Steph Curry is going to win the uh, NBA Finals MVP. Yeah, pretty much. He, he sits at minus three hundred right now to win the MVP. Opened at, at two to one. Kevin Durant opened at, as a favorite around minus one forty. LeBron was seven to one before the series. He's now closer to four to one. But yeah, it, it looks like a done deal. Steph Curry minus three hundred couple of other interesting uh, offshore odds that you can bet on. Uh, we were talking earlier about Kevin Durant and what decision he might make. I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to him relative to LeBron, but Bovada right now has Durant at minus 700 to play game one with the Warriors in the 2018-19 season, plus 400 to sign elsewhere. Uh, meanwhile, LeBron James now becoming the favorite, uh, the favorite now to sign LeBron James is the Houston Rockets at plus 150. How much attention do you pay to these offshore markets? Is there any value in terms of trying to project what's going to happen? There's a little bit of value, and these ones are more for PR, usually from the books. They they want to give some people something fun to talk about. People are talking about it anyway, and usually if people are talking about something, they'll throw odds on it. So that's another example. What kind of makes these ones different than, than other lines game to game is the news can wildly change these things. So it could be an unsubstantiated rumor, and it'll completely change the news. So there is some value in there if you do pay attention to that. They, they don't have high limits or anything. They're more for fun. What about, uh, okay, let's shift gears to the NHL. The Washington Capitals are up 3-1. That game is going to take place tomorrow, game uh, five in, in the series. A lot of optimism for the Vegas Golden Knights. That has now faded to a large extent as the Washington Capitals have won three straight and gotten hot. Uh, what do you see happening in this series? Is it over, or do the Vegas Golden Knights still have a, a chance? I know hockey's a little bit wild. What needs to change? What will change? in this series now that the Caps have taken a 3-1 series lead? I think the series is over. I think the Caps are going to win it, but I think uh, Las Vegas might win one more, and it might be uh, Game 5 here. And what they need to change, they need to get way better in their in their own end. Right now, right now, it's kind of I'm kind of amazed at the price. A couple of Las Vegas books have the Knights at minus one fifty to win this game, which which is crazy because the Caps have absolutely dominated the play for three straight games here. So that's a reflection of how much action you're seeing in Las Vegas on their beloved Knights right now. Uh, I, I think this might be a real, real close game, this next one. It's always tough to close out a series. But only once in Stanley Cup history have we seen a team go up 3-1 and, and, and the team that's down has come back and won. That was a 1942 Leafs. 31 teams have failed at coming back from that deficit. So when you look at the Capitals and minus 800, that's not really that bad a price when you throw that into consideration. 
We're talking to John Campbell. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark. All right, uh, a couple more events that are coming up soon. First, uh, I believe the Belmont Stakes going on this weekend. Justify, I've seen around a minus four to five favorite. How much interest do you anticipate seeing on this race as Justify goes for the Triple Crown? I think there'll be a lot of interest. And any time a horse is going for the Triple Crown, there is so much more action on the Belmont Justify is minus 125. He's around even money when these opened up. So, so I think we'll see that continue to move. It's people will come in. This is going to be public action. People who don't normally ever bet horse racing, they'll come in. So if you're looking at online, I would take Justify now. That number is only going to get worse. All right, so uh, that is uh, the the Triple Crown race. What about, I know we're a week out. Next week we're going to be at the U.S. Open up in Shinnecock Hills on Thursday and Friday broadcasting live. Uh, What kind of value are you seeing, if any, in early futures odds and early line movement on the U.S. Open next week? Well, you want to look at players that can kind of do everything. Shinnecock is a course where you have to be long, accurate. You have to pipe. You have to scramble. So I'm looking at, at the top guys. Jason Day is at 22 to one. Uh, that's almost unbelievable. He's on pace to post the best strokes gained putting season since that stat was implemented in 2004. Justin Rose, a former U.S. Open winner, won in 2013. He's 20-1 to 1 as well, and he's another guy who can kind of do everything. So uh, so I think there's going to be uh, some really good value on this board. I, th- I think it's going to be a great test at Shinnecock. I know you're going to be there. Yeah, it should be fun to see. Uh, good stuff, my man. We will talk uh, to you next week, and uh, good luck on the gambling picks. Thanks, Clay. That's uh, Johnny Oddshark at Johnny Oddshark uh, on Twitter. Let's go ahead and go to a break. Let's come back with a uh, with an expanded and enjoyable big time animal Thunderdome. We got a ton of stuff out there to discuss. We'll get to it next. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com. 15 minutes ago. All right, we got some wild ones. It's Animal Thunderdome time, boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. One of everybody's biggest fears out there, I would say in general, is that while you are out swimming in the ocean, a shark may take interest in you and attack you. And that would be terrifying. And ever since the movie Jaws came out, it has been something that has been in the back of all of our minds. But... Even worse than getting attacked by a shark. This is the equivalent of the shark hanging on the rim after the attack. In Brazil, 18-year-old. This is an awful story. He's out swimming in the waters off the coast of Brazil's northeast coast. The shark attacks an 18-year-old. And as as if it weren't bad enough to be attacked... He bit the man's penis off, and then the man died. Oh. 
of all the ways to go, a shark biting your penis off might be the worst possible Animal Thunderdome way to go. I mean, this is like, this again, the shark, this is the shark hanging on the rim, a tiger shark off the coast of Brazil, not content with killing a man, has to also take his penis. And uh, I, I don't even know what to say here. This is like, as if the only way that a shark attack could be worse than this is there is no way a shark attack could be worse than this. This is everybody's worst nightmare. The shark just went all, uh, you know, again, just uh, the shark should have been teed up. I don't know if they found this shark. I'm not getting anywhere in the ocean. This makes me think that I should sell my beach house if sharks are coming after penises now, not even content to just bite you and eat you. Now they're just ripping your penises off and letting you bleed to death. This is uh, this is just barbaric by this shark. I don't want to say I would expect better of a shark, but I would expect better of a shark. Wouldn't you kind of be glad that you were able to die after that, though? Like, I don't know if I'd want to live after after that happened to me. Maybe, yes, I would, maybe, but I. But you knew it happened to you. That's why I'm saying it's like hanging on the rim. It's like you know that the true. shark took your penis, and then you die. It's like the worst Last possible memory. combo. Last memory is, oh, no, I don't have a penis anymore. And then you bleed out and die after the shark takes away your penis. Clay, I got another good reason to uh, stay out of the water. Uh, Pastor Docho Eshete was baptizing at least 80 members of his Protestant congregation at Lake Abaya, which is in southern Ethiopia, according to Google Maps, reported to have a large population of a certain type of animal. One of these oh, let creatures. Me, let me pause. Let me pause you here. I read this article, and this is a. They describe it as a crocodile infested. Is it a lake or a river? Lake. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not an expert on on these sorts of things. But if you knew there was a crocodile infested lake, do you really need to baptize people in that lake? I mean, if I lived in Ethiopia, I think maybe in the church I would have just raised my hand and I would have said, I understand that God is uh, important, and I was baptized. I was uh, raised as a Baptist. I understand the point of immersion. But I was baptized in our church inside of, like, a pool behind the pulpit. Yep, me too. Maybe, maybe just a crazy idea. If you live in a crocodile-infested uh, area, maybe have a, uh, a a bit of water behind the uh, the pulpit and allow people to be... Uh, baptized without having to wade into crocodile-infested waters so that this did not happen. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so 80 members of the Protestant congregation inside Lake Abaya in southern Ethiopia, huge crocodile population, as you just said, and one of the creatures leaped out of the water, apparently wanted to cut the line, and grabbed him. According to the BBC and a local resident who was there, quote, he baptized the first person and he passed on to another one. All of a sudden, a crocodile jumped out of the lake and grabbed the pastor. Pastor Docho, in similar form to the teenager with the shark, died as a result of this from injuries on his legs, back, and hands, despite efforts from many of the congregation, fishermen, and residents all trying to save him, according to Ethiopian policemen. And even worse, the crocodile escaped as the group used fishing nets to prevent it from taking the pastor's lifeless body. So they were able to recover the body, but the crocodile also was able to get away scot-free. And I saw the pictures on this lake. It's not as if this is a crystal clear lake where you could at least see 
animals that are going to threaten you. This is a absolute brown, you know, like place that like you can't see your hand in this water if you put it underneath the water. I, I just don't even understand. Like, you would have to pay me so much money. I don't, in fact, I wouldn't do it. There's nothing you could pay me to wade into a crocodile infested river for any reason. And I certainly wouldn't take my congregation in there. So if you have to baptize people, I think God will understand if you do it uh, without getting in an actual lake <laughs> filled with crocodiles. I mean, I'm not an expert, but this <laughs> seems like just a bad decision all around. Like somebody, again, should have raised their hand. Are there no women in this congregation? Like my lake's mom, opaque, Clay. Uh, my mom would have never let me get into a crocodile-infested uh, lake to get baptized. Like, are there no moms like raising their hands out here? Like, maybe this is not a good idea. Bad yeah, idea. I mean, we don't know the we don't know the full ritual. I guess. I mean, I don't know if there's something special about this particular lake, but I'll tell you, there is something special about it. It's got crocodiles in it. Stay the hell out of it. Crocodile-infested is one of the most terrifying things you could say about any place in the wild. And if I hear crocodile-infested. I'm not getting in the water. It doesn't matter what's at stake, uh, you know, my eternal salvation or not. If God's making a decision for me going to heaven or hell based on whether or not I go to a crocodile-infested lake, I'm going to hell. All right, what else we got? <laughs> All right, quickly, and my story seems fun compared to your two. Montana golfer demands refund due to course hazard, a grizzly bear. And we've been on a golf course, public one, and usually we just see bad shots. This past Monday in Conrad, Montana, a huge grizzly bear came running onto the course. A lady ran in from hole one, said Mikkel Martin, the manager of this golf course, and she asked him, there's a bear on the course. Can I please get reimbursed? Turns out that this bear came out uh, of the mountains. It was three and a half years old, weighs 373 pounds, and the article says that they relocated it Tuesday to Coal Creek. Uh, near the Flathead River in Montana. So uh, in Montana, you got to be very careful playing golf even uh, because of the grizzly bears. Play it where it lies. Um, <laughs> the grizzly bear population, I think, is exploding. Uh, I read an article recently about that, that they used to be incredibly endangered. Now they have started to explode. Yeah, I think they, they now have an official grizzly bear hunting season. An estimated 1,000 grizzlies occupy northwestern and north-central Montana. Yeah, Just Montana. I, yeah, yeah. I knew. I believe I'm correct that they now have a grizzly bear hunting season um, in the Yellowstone area, which they haven't had for a very, very long time. So at least we finished off with a positive story there. But man, shark biting off a penis and a crocodile getting a man during a baptism. Uh, no one is safe. No one is safe at all. Hour two coming up next. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Here's the question. If you just heard the Animal Thunderdome at the end of hour one, if you didn't, you need to go download the show on uh, on iTunes, go download the podcast, do whatever you have to to chase it down. What did they do about the other people who were there to get baptized? The pastor gets eaten by a crocodile in Ethiopia. Or killed by a crocodile. I guess he wasn't eaten. Got to make sure we're accurate here. Does the rest of the congregation go back to the same lake to get everybody else baptized? And if so, how crazy and or brave and or insane is that to go right back into the, into the lake, the crocodile infested lake, 
to continue your baptisms with a brand new baptizer, new minister. What would you have to be paid if right now they were like, hey, we need a new guy to go baptize people in Ethiopia and you have to conduct this baptism ceremony. Let's pretend that you have all of the uh, requirements. What would you have to be paid to leave America right now and go to Ethiopia and do a baptism ceremony in the crocodile-infested lake where the last minister just got killed by a crocodile? How much, Jason Martin, is there a dollar figure that I could, if I said to you, I will give you $4 million to leave this studio right now, hop on a plane to Ethiopia. When you land there, you will immediately get into a vehicle and they will drive you to this crocodile-infested lake so that you can baptize the remainder of the people that have to be baptized there. Would you do it for $4 million? All right, so... What's your dollar figure? All right, well, if I... uh, (laughs) I don't think there's a dollar figure, but there's two ways to look at this. One is, and I don't think you're going to agree here, I'm just suggesting this, if I felt like it was God's purpose and that's who I was, then I would do it for no money, feeling like he was going to protect me. Yeah, but obviously, by the way, hold on, it, let's pause for a minute here. God just didn't protect the last minister, all right? So if your argument is God is going to protect me, I don't know what that last minister just did, but God just let him get eaten by a crocodile. So I'm not buying the God will protect me argument, and anybody who will do it for no dollars is crazy, in my opinion. All right, what's option two here? Well, the, the second part is, I feel like I would have to pray to God for about 20 years to make sure that that was his will. Like it's If not- I believed that was his will, I feel like I would just be like, are we sure? I'm going to come back to you tomorrow. I want to make sure that I am not speaking for you. Like I just would, it would be so hard for me to buy it in that situation. But would I pay $4 million for a chance to die where someone just died doing the exact same thing that caused that person to die in a lake still filled with crocodiles? I'm thinking no. Honestly, in fact, I'm not sure Ethiopian lakes are a place I want to be, even sans crocodile. All right, let's go to the guys in L.A. How? What is the over-under? What if I said to you, uh, Danny G., if you are willing to travel to Ethiopia and conduct this uh, baptism, you know, you have to stay in the water. It's not like you just put your toe in, yeah. which, by the way, I'd even be nervous to, de- to do if you've ever seen uh, the Crocodile Dundee movies. Like, uh, uh, those, those crocodiles hide really well. You have to go in and conduct the entire ceremony. Let's pretend that, you know, you got somebody there who's going to tell you, uh, you know, what you need to do from one moment to the next. You are dipping somebody <laughs> else into the water. You are baptizing them. If I told you that if you survived this, you would get to own the L.A. Lakers, all right? You get the title lock, stock, and barrel to a multi-billion dollar NBA franchise for the rest of your life. Would you get on a plane to Ethiopia, fly there, and conduct the baptisms in the water in Ethiopia? In a heartbeat, and I would get in the water in Laker boxers. (laughs) Would you really do it? I would, yeah. You take that because I, I was franchise. I was. <laughs> oh, shit. What dollar oh, figure would it take? You. Well, I was thinking about this as Jason was giving his answer, and and Jason made me think about how my mom gave me a pocket-sized Bible years ago. So I'd put that in my front pocket. I'd get in the water. I would need at least five point two million dollars. What about to, you, Justin Cooper? 
What would it? What dollar figure? Five point two. Yeah, I love this. why? Why five point two? Okay. You can't just say five point two. Why? Because 5.2? up the hill from where I live in Burbank, California, there's they have uh, some big castle type homes up on the hill, and one of them is for sale right now. And I looked online at the listing from the sign I saw, and it's five point two million dollars. So if God really is on my side, He's going to get that castle for me. So you would buy the castle and then not be able to pay your property tax. Right, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, wouldn't you ask for more than the, the fix? House? Yeah, you need more than what well, the house costs. I the make fix so costs. much money on Clay Travis's show that that'll cover those costs. I don't even know what the property tax about. Speaking cost of God, get away! Lightning bolt will strike you down. Is uh, five point two million dollars on property tax has got to be expensive in L.A. I would think. Uh, Justin Cooper, what's your dollar figure? Would I, I'm not telling you guys right now. I wouldn't do it. I, I, it's rare that I say I have no dollar figure that I would, I don't believe there is an amount of money you could offer me that I would travel to Ethiopia and go into the crocodile infested lake to conduct baptisms. I, I don't know what you would have to pay me to do that in the wake of what we just saw happen to the minister. And given the fact that I, I I've got three kids, like the last thing I want to do is, is get crocodile infested eaten. You know, like yesterday, I was eating in the house by myself, and one of my big fears is choking. And if you have kids, you, you think about choking. I don't even like to eat in a house or a hotel room or anything else by myself because I think, oh, my God, what if I started to choke? What would I do? Can you Heimlich yourself? Like, I, I don't even like eating by myself. The last thing I'm going to do is walk into a crocodile-infested lake. Justin Cooper, what's your dollar figure? Well, let me first start off by saying the scenario that you laid out for Danny owning the Lakers, I don't know that there's much that I wouldn't do for for that opportunity. Like, there's really nothing that you could name. As far as this uh, crocodile-infested or alligator-infested lake... There's a big difference, by the way. It's crocodile, not alligator. Alligators, by and large, are less violent. So the crocodile is much more of the dangerous animal. I would do it for a cool $2 million. $2 million. Yep. I'm blown away by the low cost here. Uh, actually, I think the craziest answer is Jason Martin saying, oh, I would just decide whether God wanted me to do it or not. I think when God allows the, man, the, the minister to be eaten, I think maybe you just need to, uh, to, to, to defray the what does God want me to do it uh, angle and say maybe the answer is no, because I'm sure that the minister thought God wanted him to be there too. 877-996. No, we don't need to give out the phone number. we got to do this. All right, we are going to give out the phone number eventually. So yesterday, before the anthem controversy emerged, I thought we had the perfect great debate. Everybody else out there in the world of sports is going to come on and they're going to talk about LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. They're going to do it all the time. By the way, let me get in a little LeBron James versus Michael Jordan moment here just to, just to drive everybody insane. There's no way that Michael Jordan would have behaved on the bench in overtime in game one of the NBA Finals, like LeBron James did after his team didn't call a timeout and after J.R. Smith made that boneheaded play. Zero percent chance that Michael Jordan behaves like that. Just want to throw that out there. But we're not going to talk about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James. We are going to continue our great debates. Now, I believe Jason Martin might have a list of these, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, the great debates have included many different topics so far. We have debated Chick-fil-A versus everybody. We have debated uh, which of the princesses was the best looking. We have done which of the Disney princesses was the best looking. Ariel is the answer. Kate is the answer. We have done 
uh, earlier this week, what did we do? I can't even remember what we did earlier this week. Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. Yes, Game of Thrones versus Lord of the Rings. Game of Thrones won about 60% of the vote. This one, I think... Peanut butter and jelly also. Peanut butter versus jelly. This one, I think, is going to potentially lead to a modern-day civil war in the Outkick family. Which is the greater... Well, how would you classify these before I even give the... the, the yesterday, last time earlier this week, we had a big debate about what exactly these were. How would you classify these? Iconic uh, childhood movies? I mean, are we just talking movies? Because that changes things tremendously, I would say. But yeah, I mean, just epic children's... I, I don't know. They're not really totally children's either. Neither one of them is. So Which of these I don't epic know. quests... There Which of these quest epic films quest films is better? Are you ready? The Star Wars canon, all of the Star Wars movies that exist right now, up to and including Solo, or the Harry Potter films. Now this is, I think, a battle royale. Before I give my answer, or actually I'll just tell you my answer. We'll start with me. I think this really comes down to an intriguing question. How do you balance out the book material that the Harry Potter films were based on? Mm -hmm. Because I think that Harry Potter... This is going to shock people. This is going to shock people because this is an example of a opinion that I initially had. In fact, Jason Martin, see if you can pull up my Star Wars versus Harry Potter opinion that I tweeted out a while back. See if you can search on Twitter Star Wars Harry Potter and see what I tweeted a while back. Because I'm going full-on hypocrite here. Oh, I, I found it. Th- what, did, what did I say? It was like a month ago or two weeks ago. Yeah, it says, are there people that actually believe the Harry Potter movies are better than Star Wars? Was the question, which I guess sort of indicates, because you were responding to someone else, that Star Wars would definitely... Or no... Yeah, no, that Star Wars is definitely far superior to Harry Potter. I did say that, and it was only a couple of weeks ago. But I've been thinking about this ever since. And i got to be honest with you. The Harry Potter group is better than the Star Wars films. I I feel like I have let down everyone in the listening audience. Not me. And I grew up on the Star Wars movies. But I have just gone full-fledged, millennial-triggered loser here. And I think that Harry Potter is the superior canon. Are you, are you, to, are you factoring in the books? Yeah, a oh, little okay. bit. Well, books okay. dunk well, on everything. Well, yeah, I mean, that, then that makes sense. I, I agree with you on this. Because if you're, if you're factoring in the Harry Potter books, you're right. It's, just, it's way but better. I don't even know that I have to factor in the books. Because the more I thought about this... I agree. The overall quality, what are there, seven or eight Harry Potter films? What do they eight, do? because they split they the split the book final into two. One. Yeah, so they split the final book into two. I think the overall quality of the Harry Potter films, one to eight, is better than the overall quality of the Star Wars films. How many Star Wars films have there been now? Like ten? I guess Rogue nine, One right? is even, Solo. Even when you take into seven, account nine, ten, yeah. the original Star Wars movies, though, they, I mean, that changed changed people's lives all right i am going with the harry potter movies one to eight versus the star wars movies one to ten and i don't even think i need to get into the book because obviously 
J.K. Rowling's decision and ability to create and write those books is infinitely better than what George Lucas and everybody else did in terms of writing the scripts for the Star Wars movies. And I feel a little bit like I am just abandoning everything that I believe in by making this argument. But the more I thought about it as the most unbiased, fair man in America today, I said, you know what? The Harry Potter movies 1 to 8 are better than the Star Wars movies are 1 to 10. feel like Like, I don't even know you anymore. I feel a little bit like I don't know myself because I'm immediately contradicting my initial reaction, which is the Star Wars movies are better. But then I had to peel back your initial reaction because a lot of times you have a visceral reaction to something and you're just like, oh, there's no way the Harry Potter movies could be better. And now that I sit around and I think about it, the Harry Potter movies are better. I, I, I think, look, the, the initial Star Wars trilogy, I think, is fantastic beyond belief. One, two, and three is nowhere near as good. I think that the most recent number eight was just okay. And as much as I like Rogue One and Solo and thought they were pretty good, I am of the opinion that the Harry Potter canon is better. And that's without even having to consider the written books themselves, which are obviously a masterpiece of children's literature. So we're going to put this up on the poll question, but first I'm going to poll everybody here. Jason Martin, what do you think? I'm definitely going Harry Potter. I I could call myself a hypocrite because for years uh, at the turn of the century, I laughed at the adults and folks that were reading Harry Potter, laughed at friends of mine or people that I knew. So in 2009, over a week and a half, I read them all in the lead up to the sixth film. I just all of a sudden said, you know what? I want to see what this is all about. So I sat down and I read them all. They're my favorite books of all time. Like, I mean, that was one of the great experiences just in terms of reading that I've ever had in reading fiction. I enjoyed them so very much. And then I went and saw the films, obviously, in order. All right, let's pause Let's pause here for a sec. The fact that the greatest books you've ever read of all time are the Harry Potter books. I said fiction, Clay. You can, okay. you can, you can fiction, go down this road. Big, I think they're the best. A, I do. That's a big, broad category of fiction. You're like, War and Peace... Great Gatsby. I've read a lot of that stuff. I don't like it. I'm I'm not a fan of Gatsby. I hate William Faulkner with the passion of 500 billion burning suns. Cannot stand Faulkner. Like, I mean, I've read all of that stuff. But in terms of something I want to sit down, just get pure entertainment out of. In history, per Jason Martin, the Harry Potter books, which you read at over the age of 30, right? Yeah, whatever. I mean, you can say I mean, it's not like you read it when you were eight. If you read a book at your eight years old, this is you as an adult. Now, I read all these books. I read them actually, or I started reading them when I was in law school because you read books all day long, and obviously I'm a reader, but then you want just an escapist, something that has absolutely nothing to do with the law that you're reading. And so I really liked them then. I watched all the movies. I thought, look, I mean, for children's literature, I think certainly they will exist forever. Um, And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I mean, I think changers. 200 years from now, there will probably still be kids uh, somewhere reading the Harry Potter books. I mean, I think they are that iconic. And so the movies themselves, though, just go into the movies. Yeah. What is your analysis of the movies? Technically, you could say there are nine because of Fantastic Beasts and then the second Fantastic Beasts is coming out. I mean, it's still all part of the, the canon. larger canon. 
Um, if you want to classify Rogue One and Solo, then you can easily do this. I think, especially considering the length of the books, the problem with movies to books, at least for me, I remember this, the, the first real example of this, other than Jurassic Park, which is another one of my favorite books of all time that I read when I was a kid, but I really enjoyed that one as well. I thought Crichton was awfully good. I read all of his stuff. But in general... Like, I went and saw The Da Vinci Code, and I really enjoyed the book at the time. So I went to the film, and I was expecting something. And five minutes in, we were 100 pages into the book because they have to rush everything. Yeah. I think generally the book-to-movie thing is you feel everything is rushed. You're like, oh, they skipped four chapters here, and they skipped all of this. Or they left they out entire to. characters. Right. So, I mean, like, The Goblet of Fire is like 1,000 pages long, and they had two hours and 25 minutes. But I never felt like I was shortchanged out of those films. Even with the different directors, if I go through it, I thought the original three Star Wars were good. I, lo- I loved The New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. I'm not a huge fan of Return of the Jedi. The three prequels were not good. I've enjoyed The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi both quite a bit. Solo and Rogue One were good, but not essential for any reason. They were just cash grab side stories for fanatical completionists, basically. And then when it comes to Harry Potter, I thought that Prisoner of Azkaban was excellent. I really liked the Half-Blood Prince. And I thought that the finale, Deathly Hallows Part 2, was spectacularly good. So I'm taking the movies, I'm taking the Harry Potter films as well. I've marathoned them now twice, usually over Christmas. Like for a couple days over Christmas, I'll sit down and I'll watch them all. I just always get a lot of enjoyment out of them. And I think that they reflect the books about as good as you can, considering the time problem that you have and how much depth or just words, number of words that Rowling uses in her stuff. This is There are a couple of factual details here that are amazing. Let's come to, uh, to Danny G and Justin. Are you surprised that Jason Martin marathons Harry Potter movies by himself over Christmas? <laughs> um, I mean, that's like 20 hours, of, uh, 20 hours of just hanging out by yourself watching Harry it's Potter It's not movies. in one day. It's still a lot of effort. It's like over a week. I'll just like watch one a night or something like that. Yeah. That's a lot of Harry Potter. Uh, for, a gr- I, for a grown man to watch by himself. I mean, look, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I was in line at my local bookstore at midnight waiting for each of those books to come out. Like, I, I love that series. But I think that the original trilogy, A New Hope... Empire, Return of the Jedi, I think all of those are better than any of the Harry Potter movies. You, Thank you. Do you think that I have Jedi just rejected my birthright by going with Harry Potter here? Kind of. I, 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 I kind of hate myself for the <laughs> argument that I've made today. I'm not going to lie. I mean, a part of me, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to look at myself in the mirror after the show's over today. Yeah, and, and I think that, Jason, I think the fact that you started the your, your introduction to the Harry Potter uh, canon was the movies. I feel like that makes a difference because you, you saw, what, the first four movies before you ever read any no, of the books? No, I had not seen anything. I didn't oh. have any Harry Potter deal at all until 2009 when I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and read these. And it was the week before Half-Blood Prince came out. So I was like, I'll read these and I'll go see this movie. So And then I ended up you know renting the ones before it in time beforehand. So I just kind of, for that week and a half or so, I spent time with Harry Potter just to catch up and see what you know see what the fuss was all about. And so, no, I hadn't seen anything by that point. I just find it interesting that you you said, like, you, the Goblet of Fire, for example, that you felt like they did a really good... Every time I saw a Harry Potter movie, 
I left thinking that exact same thing. Like, oh man, there was just too much that they that they left out. Like, it, it just didn't feel as satisfying as the book. So maybe I'm biased in that way to where I I don't know they just were. I mean, the all books are better. The books are certainly better, and I didn't say that they necessarily did a great job with the Goblet of Fire. I'm just saying that I never felt shortchanged. I felt like they did the best job that they could given the constraints they had. Danny G, which side are you going? Star Wars, obviously. Yeah, it's not even close. I. This is not just about the books. This is about a movie franchise that changed cinema as we know it today. Oh, good lord! It's true. And Clay, I, I'm very know, disappointed in you because I what, understand. What would Darth Vader, Luke, Leia, Han? C-3PO, R2-D2, what would they think of you They wouldn't morning? be pleased with me. There's no, no. doubt. I, I just... No one cares what C-3PO thinks, Danny. <laughs> I kind of do. Han doesn't even care. You hear this mu- dead. You, you hear this music and... Spoiler alert. The score of this movie changed things. Oh, the score, you're right. Yeah. I mean, what's the Harry Potter music? That's true. Do we even you, know what the Harry no, Potter music is? No, but it's really is? good. I mean, yeah, the Harry Potter yeah, it is, score it is, is really good. good. John Williams, I mean, uh-huh. John Williams' Star Wars score is about as iconic as it gets. Legendary. I think John Williams helped out with Harry Potter as well, though. As a, as a little kid, sitting in the theater, and Empire Strikes Back came How on. How old are you? <laughs> For Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> Empire Strikes Back came out in, like, 1981. For Empire Strikes Back, I was a little kid. I was like, I don't know, four or five. Um, so, DG's fifty four. No, I'm not fifty four. I'm a year. I'm a year older I than was you, three. Clay. Were you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a year older than Clay. I um, was born in seventy nine. I was born in seventy eight. I was not in the theater for the Empire Strikes. Back I was in until the theater the for Return of Return the of the Jedi. Okay. But I saw all the others on our big TV. Well, it was a tube TV at the time. But still, even then, the movie score sounded amazing. Have you seen the Harry Potters or read the Harry Potter books? I have not read the Harry Potter books, but I yeah, saw the first two invalid. Harry Potter, Potter yeah, movies. See, I don't know. I mean, I'm, now I'm, uh, as, I'm feeling better about my position because you're just you know, kind of coming in with your argument without even having seen the totality of what you're comparing. But I don't need to because yeah, I do. didn't know. I didn't have a desire to see the next Harry Potter movie. Whereas you're every- like a Jordan guy who's like, you know what? <laughs> I haven't even watched LeBron. I don't need to see LeBron. I know because I saw Jordan. There's no reason for you know, me to Jordan continue wouldn't to have watch done that on the side. The Jordan wouldn't have done that on well, the sidelines. Well, see side what you just did though. Shot and not but Clay, to George Hill. see what you just did. You compared Michael Jordan to oh, Star there's Wars. The Harry Potter yep. music. It's awesome. I love this music. Oh boy, nerd alert! This is this is not bad. This is pretty good music. It's good. Would you rather date a girl who was totally into Star Wars or a girl who was totally into Harry Potter? No Harry doubt. Potter. Have you Harry seen Potter. Oh, Harry Potter? Potter? It's not even first close. of all. There's yeah. tons of losers. hot chicks who love Harry Potter. You ever seen the Star Secondly, Wars girls at Comic Con? Who love the Star Wars girls? You seen the school girl like, outfits, Danny? Hold on, oh. hold on. The Star Wars girls, you go to any Star Wars convention. They have and their hair like, like Princess Leia. They're 90% of the dudes there have never had sex before. <laughs> and there's like one girl dressed as Princess Leia in amongst 500 dudes who've never had sex before, all with their tongues out like a bunch of losers looking at her. <laughs> versus Harry Potter, which I think probably has a majority female fan base. Harry Potter girls guess. know how to handle a wand. Well, all right. Now oh, we're going to get on fire. Oh, oh, uh, also, they're uh, younger. Turn the Coop's younger, mic your off. Your Star Wars girls are like 55 years old now. 
That's an incredible. No, but line. Star, obviously, Star Wars has lasted. The, it's made it through the test of time. Is you Harry, think that is, Harry Potter is not going to make it through the test of look, time? Look, I just you said talk, 200 years nah. from yeah, now but, people are going to yeah, Star Wars Danny, is already Star proven. Wars, Star, well, Star, Star Wars, Wars is already proven. Do you know how many idiots have made like a ton of money trying to copy the Harry Potter formula? Oh, my and, God. And how there have been some good series, too. To but, copy no, Star I know Wars. That. But, just, but this is new. Like These films started, what, at the turn of the century? You've got the Hunger Games. You've got these Percy Jackson films and books. You've got all sorts you, of people trying to catch you guys this are is like, the new You guys Star are like Wars. LeBron losing in another NBA Finals. That's what all you right, guys are open like. Open phone lines. We're going to have to get an update from Eddie Garcia. Should we get the update first, or should we, uh, should we go to break and then get the update? Uh, well, since we butchered the clock already, it's yeah. up to you. Uh, bring in Eddie. I want to get Eddie's opinion, and then we'll only go to your calls and your reactions. And I also have to put this up as Steve a poll is the question. First pitcher in big leagues to hit the ten win mark. You went eight and eight. Well, what happened there? Is, is Eddie? Is Eddie, Eddie was rolling oh, on his own? You know what? Whoa. You know what? Eddie was doing the local LA report for for uh, AM five seventy LA Sports. So you I mean crossed AM570 over on him. Sports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I crossed over. So, do we need to go to break? Yeah. Did I just, so like, you need to is take this a like break. two streams crossing that I just uh, just destroyed yep, the universe? Two lightsabers. Two light. Two lightsabers. There's or a marshmallow two, uh, man running around Outkick right now. Yeah, I don't know what in the hell is going on. Uh, all right, we'll come back with your calls. You can load up the phone lines. I understand if you're upset with me. I really do, but I think I'm right. Eight. I'm like your parent. Like your parent when you know you've misbehaved. It's like kind of what I feel like in this debate. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. I am Clay Travis. Is outkick the coverage. Your call is next, and we'll find out if Eddie Garcia is actually back to do the updates. This is Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. My mentions on Twitter, a wasteland. It's ugly out there. 877-996-6369. We are touching the third rail here, which is better, Star Wars or Harry Potter. Let's bring in Eddie Garcia. Uh, I think he's back from his L.A. sports update. Which one do you got? Well, Clay, I've got Star Wars. It's not even close uh, for me personally. I'm, I'm, I didn't read the Harry Potter books. I saw the first movie and didn't have much interest in it after that. So it's, it's all Star Wars for me. Uh, the poll questions rolling in. You can go vote at Clay Travis on Twitter. All right, let us know what's shaking. Well, let's give you a Geico playoff report. Game three, of the NBA Finals tonight in Cleveland as the Cavaliers host the Warriors. Golden State holding the 2-0 series lead. Cavaliers head coach Tyron Lue told reporters Tuesday that guard Rodney Hood will see more action in game three. He's only played seven minutes in the team's last seven playoff games, so the Cavs try to do anything to change it up. As for the Warriors, guard Andre Iguodala, who's missed the last six playoff games due to a knee injury, has been upgraded to questionable for Game 3. The team believes that he will be back on the court in either Game 3 or Game 4. A couple of baseball games of note. Nationals down the Rays 4-2. Max Scherzer gets the win for Washington. Eight innings, two runs, five hits, 13 strikeouts. He's the Major League's first 10-game winner. And the Red Sox shut off the Tigers 6-0. Boston's J.D. Martinez became the first player this year in the Majors to hit the 20 home run mark now back to clay travis in the geico outkick the coverage studios indeed we are live in the geico outkick studios where it's easy to save 15 percent or more on car insurance with geico go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO the only hard part figuring out which way is easier 877-996-6369 i'll take some of your calls here jose and fremont what you got brother you disappointed me so bad i know it is out quantity 
over quality doesn't always work. Star Wars has made such an impact. It's even in the sports world, brother. We even have a dude in the Raider Nation that thinks he's Darth Vader, bro. Come on. And check this out. I got one for you. I got a couple for you guys. Who would win, Terminator versus RoboCop? Or who would win a battle royal between the Marvel and DC Universe? The Marvel versus DC Universe is an interesting one. Um, And the Terminator versus RoboCop. I don't think... I I feel like the Terminator is so much better known in pop culture than the RoboCop. Would you agree with that? Um, And I think it's because... Was there only one RoboCop movie? Um, No, there were two. Back in the day? Um, I remember the RoboCop movies, but I feel like Terminator is kind of embedded in our culture in a way that the other one is not. And maybe that's because Terminator has been so long lasting that there's lots of people who've come in and watched i mean i remember the terminator 2 coming out and that was long after the first terminator right um and uh, and they turned arnold schwarzenegger into a good guy if i'm not mistaken by the time you got to terminator 2 uh let's go to travis in illinois travis what's up yeah i was just gonna add to the conversation of which fan bases of the girls are better it's harry potter hands down yeah comparison if you're looking for girls, I think that the Harry Potter fan base is by far the hotter fan base. I mean, there are a lot of girls who are huge Harry Potter fans. I don't think there are as many girls who are huge Star Wars fans. There's still a lot of huge Star Wars. Look, and you're t- I, I really do feel like, I mean, I went on a Star Wars family cruise, and I still voted Harry Potter. And my kids are obsessed with Star Wars. I might have to reconsider my vote. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really. Uh, Thank you. This is Thank the first you. time that I've ever voted. I'm and leaving not this been, show I'm if queasy. you do that. <laughs> I'm queasy in my stomach over the decision that I've made. Chris in Indiana, what's up, Chris? <laughs> hey, first of all, uh, who cares? And second of all, I'm going through this with my kids, reading the books, watching the movies, and I just not into it. I rather you guys watch break down the Nationals and the Twins or something. All right, so Chris, this is this is a really bad call by Chris. All right? You can't call a radio show to give your opinion and say that you don't care because you care enough to call into the radio show and wait on hold and then come on and just be a total like worthless caller. Yeah, party pooper. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have an opinion, then don't call and sit on the on hold. And this is also Jason Martin. Did you know this was coming? No, I, I apparently. Uh, well, I mean, I, I did not. When you know, when I screened him, he said, "You guys are losers." But I'm in the car. My wife and kids have opinions on this, so I've got an opinion now because I'm hearing it from both sides. I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. Like and that'll be fun he to hear. And instead, he decided to, to be the guy on Twitter that looks at a poll and is like, "Neither one," because I'm better <laughs> than you. My favorite guy on Twitter, and there'll be a lot of these people reacting to Harry Potter and Star Wars. Neither one. (laughs) Both suck. By the way, just so you guys don't get corrected on Twitter, there were three RoboCop movies. That's Uh, right. Yeah, the third in 1993. But 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 I think the difference between Terminator and RoboCop quickly is Schwarzenegger was such a gigantic star and stuck around and did so many other gigantic things in movies and otherwise, I guess. Uh, Peter Weller, nobody really even remembers, even though he was fine in RoboCop. RoboCop, to me, is not even comparable to Terminator, despite the fact that since number two, really, they've been a disaster. By the way, the poll questions, uh, in the first 10 minutes, 2,500 of you have voted. What do you? Here's another, we're going very meta here. How many people are going to vote in this poll? I'm going to go with 35,000 people will vote in this poll. That's a It'll big a number. Lot. 
that will be involved in this poll. Right now, Star Wars is dunking all over Harry Potter. Here's the other question. Are the millennials not awake yet? Because I know there's tons of college kids out there that are totally still asleep, and they will wake up, and they will see this, and they will hit Harry Potter so fast their fingers break. And now I'm starting to wonder, did I make the right decision? I think it's people in denial, Clay. I think this is the, I didn't vote for Trump, but when the doors were closed, you did. Like, I think people are afraid to vote for what's clearly superior, which is Harry Potter. That analogy is tough for me to follow. So, Well, we talked about it before. You remember how you tell your wife that you're not going to vote for yes. Trump? We talked about it after the election, but when we you're actually there in the booth. Yeah, exactly. There and were lots of guys who did. claimed that they didn't vote for Donald Trump to keep their wives happy, and then they actually went into the booth and they voted for Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. I, don't I also think, think there's a lot of people that are not that may not even vote in the poll. I know that you're anonymous in a poll, but I think there's some people that will try to act like they're above it when they actually have an opinion on this stuff. We'll take more of your calls, 877-996-6369. We'll finish off Hour 2. Hour 3, we're going to talk to Petros Papadakis. Here's a question for people who are out in L.A. and regularly listen to Petros or people who listen to the show and feel like they know him. Does Petros like either of these either of these movies at all? I would say no. He's going to be so angry when I ask him to pick between the two of them. He's not even awake right now, and he's going to be furious. If you have the secret Textosto line out there in L.A., you can blow up Petros right now while he's sleeping and let him know whether you think he should vote for Harry Potter or for uh, the Star Wars films. And he's going to be so frustrated and annoyed when he wakes up and has all these text messages telling him one way or the other. 877-996-6369. Final segment of Hour 2 continues. The great debate, Star Wars versus Harry Potter. Who you got? I'm still a little bit disgusted with my selection. This is Fox Sports Radio. Remember, you're never alone with OnStar. Specially trained advisors always there, ready to help 24-7 OnStar. Be safe out there. Let's go to your calls. Uh, who am I going to first here? Uh, Rich in Virginia, I believe. Is that right, Jason Martin? Yeah, he has a good point, I think. What we got, Rich? Hi. Um, I don't know how this will change things. Um, I'm a huge fan of both. I'm 50 years old. I've read all the books, seen all the movies. If you put one, two, and three, Phantom Menace, Clone Wars, etc., into this conversation... How much does that detract from the entire Star Wars canon? Because those sucked. Yeah, I, I appreciate the call. I think one was awful. Uh, I thought two and three were pretty good. But you know what? My boys, if you, you ask did. them what their favorite Star Wars movie is, they'll tell you one. So well, I think that's partly... Yes, right, exactly. But I mean, so I think partly, like, while George Lucas was ripped for that... What he was doing was introducing Star Wars to an entire new generation and making them fall in love with it. If he starts it with Empire starts, uh, Strikes Back again, then all these kids are, like, scarred for life. Uh, Devin in North Carolina. What's up, Devin? Hey, guys. So, hey, Clay, you mentioned the Millennials. I'm calling to represent the Millennials. I'm a big Potterhead. Started reading the books in, in elementary school and finished in college. They're coming out, I think, it's so hard to separate the books from the movies, Harry Potter. The story, I think, is better. The good versus evil is unbelievable story, but i got to go Star Wars, man. I think that what Lucas did in the 70s, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm younger, and I was blown away by the movies when I saw them when I was a little kid. What he did, putting up his own money, going against the grain, revolutionized the industry. I think it's unparalleled. And I, with, the, with the previous gentleman in Virginia, I mean, 
you know, you throw out the first three, and, you know, the newer stuff kind of ruins it, but the original, I think it's uncomparable. Angus on Twitter says, is this a joke? Star Wars across the board. This is a pretty good argument. Luke is greater than Harry Potter. Han is greater than Weasley. Leia is greater than Hermione. And Vader is greater than Voldemort. I kind of agree with him on all those. Now I'm really questioning my decision. That's a strong uh, strong play from Angus on uh, Twitter. Ra- Raul in Los, Los L.A. Is that right, Raul? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, what you got? I was going to say Star Wars for the same reason that it spans over generations, whereas you old guys, you guys love the original trilogy. I, I'm, I'm one of the millennials. I like the prequels. And then if you ask my son who's five, he loves the, the, the latest three movies that came out. Even my daughter, she loves Ray. And it's something that the fans always wanted, the more female characters, more females to like Star Wars. Whereas uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter is just new with a child. Uh, it ends at the millennial. There's nothing after it. There's nothing set that's coming. Maybe there is, but nobody's looking into that. Yeah, that's a good argument. I'm actually going to go maybe, and I don't know if this is something that I can do without being like creepy. I was thinking about going to go see that. Now, they do extend the Harry Potter canon. Uh, you mentioned the Fantastic Beasts uh, movies, Jason Martin, but they also have the play, which is yes. about a grown-up Harry Cursed Potter. Child. Yeah, which has now moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it opened in London. I may go see the Harry Potter play by myself when I'm up in New York City next weekend. Is that something a grown man can do? I feel like it's not as creepy to go see a play by yourself, even if it's a kid's play. I don't know. Maybe it's creepier. I, I don't know. I'm not a Broadway guy, so I don't know how that factors in. Matt in Virginia. What's up, Matt? Man, I have to go Harry Pothead and the Stone Sorcerer over all the Star Wars trilogies. I'm, I was an 80s baby, but I still love the uh, the Harry Potter. I mean, you get you can't beat the magic and everything. And just the outlook, out, the way it just captures you, man. It pulls you in. Star Wars was just a decent sci-fi movie. Uh, that might irk a lot of people, but that's how I feel about it. Good. Uh, thanks for the call. Let's go to Connor in uh, Atlanta in the ATL. What's up, Connor? Hey, I don't know how that last guy didn't get pulled in by Star Wars, man, but that, that screwed up, man. Star Wars pulled me in since I was a little kid and still has me even after what they did with that horrible eighth movie. But I will say right off the bat, lightsabers are better than wands. They're ten times more recognizable. Everybody knows who the Millennium Falcon is and who drives it and flies it. And in addition to that, the Star Wars characters have passed from the culture, like, they've passed through the culture. You don't even have to say, like, what movie they're from anymore. You just say Yoda, and everyone knows who Yoda is. You say Darth Vader, and everybody knows who Darth Vader is. Star Wars is clearly the better choice. Cultural impact has been longer lasting, but I do wonder, as the Harry Potter kids grow up, whether their legacy and their generation is going to have a different view of things because they're going to continue to enmesh everything into the larger culture. There's also, I would argue, in Harry Potter, there's so many more entertainment options. When Star Wars happened, it was not there was not as much going on, right? You didn't even hardly have cable, uh, even in the first iteration. We're going to continue to debate this. We'll bring in Petros Papadakis. I'll kick the coverage. Final hour of the show coming up next. This is the big debate. Star Wars versus Harry Potter. Go vote in the po- in the uh, in the poll. I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As you wake up across the country, 
We have a major debate engaged on Twitter, which is better, Harry Potter or Star Wars, the debates we are having instead of LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. And I'm close to changing my vote. Just going to say it right there, close to changing my vote. Game three of the NBA Finals is tonight. And I read this article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, and I found it to be utterly fascinating. And I teased it, I think, earlier in the show. And by the way, if you enjoy the show, you should go make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search it out on out search out Outkick on iTunes. You can subscribe. Millions of you are doing it. Be a cool kid. Subscribe to Outkick. And by the way, um, there was a, I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal. There was a point in Game Two when Steph Curry's playoff shooting percentage in the restricted area, that's the circle close to the rim, was a rather obscene eighty one percent. He missed a couple of shots, and it dipped back to 75% by the end of the night, which is still by far his career percentage, uh, career high. So Steph Curry right now is finishing at the rim at a higher rate than he has ever finished at the rim before. I think this is a big part of Steph Curry's game that doesn't get enough uh, attention. And let me put that into perspective. LeBron James is shooting 77% in the restricted area so far in this NBA Finals, in the playoffs so far. How wild is it, crazy is it, that Steph Curry is almost as good close to the rim at finishing right now as LeBron James is? I think that's blowing people's minds. A lot of people talk about Curry and his three-point shooting percentage and everything else. Right now, Curry's shooting 41% on his three-pointers. And again, this is from the Wall Street Journal, which amounts to 1.23 points per shot if you're one of these analytics guy. 42% on open and wide open three-pointers. By shooting 75% in the restricted area, Steph's getting one and a half points per shot. Here is why the game basically becomes either a three-point contest or a layup when it comes to maximizing scoring potential. But how wild is it that Steph Curry is almost as good at the rim as LeBron James, despite the fact that Curry never dunks. It's not like he finishes with a great deal of authority. And when Curry was injured in Game 7, this is the biggest difference between Steph Curry this year and Steph Curry in 2016. Two years ago when Curry was was, um, not very healthy, he shot just 47% from the, at the basket. In other words, how did the Cavs come back and finish off the uh, the Warriors in that upset, Curry finished 47% in the finals. So he has gone up nearly 30% in his ability to finish at the rim. And I think this is now the most underrated aspect of Steph Curry's game by far is how much he has worked on being able to get to the rim and finish. Because you know guys are going to overplay him at the three-point line. And he does such a good job handling the basketball that I feel as if Steph Curry's three-point shooting is actually overlooking the fact that Steph Curry has become a really good all-round offensive weapon. I want to bring in the crew here, and then I'll get to a couple more of your calls. So if you're still waiting, hang with me. But when you guys see Steph Curry play now, are you with me that Curry has become a complete offensive weapon? And if anything, guys like you and me and everybody else who come on and exult and uh, and praise Steph Curry's three-point shooting. And it's hard not to because he may be and probably is the greatest three-point shooter in the history of the game. 
he's also turned into a pretty good finisher, which a few years ago he could get to the rim, but he could never finish. And again, it's always been a challenge because he doesn't have the explosive athletic ability to just go up and dunk on people like somebody. It's not fair to compare him really to LeBron based on their size, but Russell Westbrook's not that much bigger than Steph Curry. At the rim, Russell Westbrook can finish with authority by dunking. Steph Curry's got to still use guile and finesse and talent, and he can't just rely on raw athleticism once he makes his way to the basket. Is this the most underrated aspect of Steph Curry's game, Jason Martin? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I feel like Steph Curry has become a very or a much smaller George Gervin, who used to use every bit of the rim and was a master of spin. And that's what we've seen from Steph Curry. Now, when LeBron's trucking his way down the lane, he's getting beaten and battered, and Steph's a little bit smaller. Sometimes he is going to be a little bit more flexible in those situations. But one thing that I pointed out a while back is that it's a misnomer to talk about the Golden State Warriors as being just a three-point shooting team. The Cavs were like third in the league in terms of how much of their offense came from the three. The Warriors were like 16th. They're a mid-range team. They can step out and shoot the three, but Durant likes to have fallaways from about 15 feet. We've already talked about Sean Livingston is the Michael Jordan of the mid-range game. The guy does not miss. Steph Curry is going to the rim. There's a whole lot of lob dunks now going to JaVale or Draymond Green and a lot of putbacks and stuffbacks. They did not rely nearly as much on the three-pointer this year as maybe they have in the past. And I think a lot of that is due to Steph because when you really break it down, Steve Kerr can talk about the fact that if you take 10 threes and 10 twos, you're going to outscore a team by 10 even if all those shots are made. That's absolutely true. But the percentage chance of getting something done by the rim is so much higher even than a great three-point shooter that I think that it's good. And it also makes it so that you have to respect Curry's ability to take you off the dribble and get there and finish. You don't just have to guard him on the perimeter. You have to guard him on the perimeter, and when he's away from the basketball, you have to follow him around because he sits around and basically loops to try and get himself open. But if you get out there and put a hand in his face a couple of times, he will dribble around you. He will go behind his back. He will find his way to the rim and spin that ball in, unlike just about anybody in the league right now. So I think that it is a very good article, first of all, to point out that when Steph is in the painted area, don't worry about his size. Just look at how prolific he is. I think that blows a lot of people listening's mind right now when I say that from a scoring percentage, Steph Curry is almost as good at the rim as LeBron James is. Now, you mentioned LeBron James gets hit. He probably goes to the rim more than Steph Curry during the course of a game. But from a sheer percentage perspective, there's almost no difference between Steph Curry's scoring percentage by the rim and his three-point shooting. And I think most people out there listening to us right now would say, where is Steph Curry more deadly on the basketball court? Where does the last place you want to defend him? I think the idea that he's not more deadly from three would also surprise a lot of people. Does it surprise you guys out in L.A.? Again, we're talking about the data that was in a uh, Wall Street Journal article that I read yesterday. I think Ben Cohen was the uh, the author uh, of this piece that was in the journal, kind of going through the data of the NBA Finals, and in particular looking at the way that Steph Curry's game has evolved and how much different it is now than it was two years ago when the Cavs were able to come back from a 3-1 series deficit and win that title. It doesn't necessarily surprise me. I think maybe the... the- 
the stats, like how accurate he is for, from that close surprise me. But I've always been super impressed with his ability to get to the rim and, and pull off, you know, great layups and different things. But I think what's almost as uh, underrated as his ability to finish at the rim is his uh, his ability as a distributor. I think a lot of people look at Steph as, you know, this shooter, but they, they forget that he's a point guard and that he actually, like, you know, some of the passes that he makes are, are mind-blowing too, and I think a lot of people forget about that part of his game as well. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt at all uh, about that, but I, over the years watching Steph Curry, that's what I've been most struck by. Not the fact that he's a great three-point shooter. I think everybody knows that. Again, he's the greatest three-point shooter in the history of the game. But looking at this data from this Wall Street Journal article about his ability to fill it, finish at the rim, I've talked on this show about how much better Steph Curry has gotten at going to the rim because he used to get to the rim and not be able to finish or he would have to look to try to make a pass out to another teammate. He hits a variety of amazing shots from a variety of different angles, like Jason Martin just said, a lot of spin that he can put on the ball. Um, that's something I think to pay attention to is the degree to which maybe we have allowed Steph Curry's three-point shooting to overscore, to overshadow his his consistency and all around basketball game. All right, great debate uh, that's going on tonight, Game Three. We'll talk with Petros Papadakis next about this. We have another great debate going on: which is a better series of films, Star Wars or Harry Potter? Instead of arguing LeBron James versus Michael Jordan on this radio show, we have created a series of great debates. Uh, Eight thousand of you have voted in the first, uh, let's see, forty minutes of this poll. It's going to be wildly popular. 64% of you are on Star Wars. Do we still have our guys waiting? Let's get a couple more calls in. Ryan in New York. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Clay. First off, go see the Broadway show. You'll never regret going to see a Broadway show. What do you think about going solo to a Broadway show, though? Ask them if they can't take a joke. But Harry Potter may be a more popular thing with the millennials because it was integrated into the school system for approximately 10 to 15 years and pushed into the curriculums. So it may be a nostalgia thing for them. Star Wars is a better trilogy, but Harry Potter is close behind. That may be just another perspective I have on it. Uh, good stuff. And by the way, back to Broadway. Where do you live in New York? Did we lose him? He bailed after that. What do you yeah. think about my question? Because there's a lot of debate about whether you can go to a movie by yourself. And I will go to movies by myself when I'm in a different town uh, a lot. Like when I was out in L.A. doing television for Fox on a regular basis, I would stay at the Intercontinental Hotel on Avenue of the uh, Avenue of the Stars there. And I would walk down to the Westfield uh, Mall, and I'd go to movies occasionally by myself. Like, I'm in a hotel room by myself. What do I want to do? Oh, there's a cool movie. I'll go in. I got to where I'm, I'm not at all uncomfortable going to a movie by myself. Going to a Broadway play by yourself, that seems a little bit like a next step because the Broadway play, I feel like, is so much more of a social event. There's an intermission where you get up typically and walk around. And if you're solo, like I, I was just up there with my wife and we went to go see Denzel Washington, which was amazing in the uh, in uh, the, the Iceman Cometh, with, which he's in. Then we saw Come, uh, Come What May, I think is what it's called, which was amazing. But I'm with my wife. And so it, I felt like everybody there was with a date or with their kids or with a friend. And it would, I, I don't know. I mean, would you think Broadway play worse to go by yourself? Especially if you're going to see Harry Potter? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm just not a play guy. I've never have been. I've never been a play guy. I've never been a musical guy. But this just, thing is not a musical. No, I know. I mean, I have the book. I went ahead and got the book that has the script so that I could get the story. But yeah. like, unless I was going with like a date, I don't think that I would go to the play. 
What do you think about going to a Broadway play by myself, guys? Fair or foul? Uh, what is the name of this play again? Harry Potter, Harry and, the Potter and the Cursed Child, Child, I think. Okay. See, if this was a Star Wars play, <laughs> stop, Danny. I, then I think you'd be all right. But since it's Harry Potter, it's nerddom. Is Julian in Oakland still waiting out there? Yes. Julian, what's up? Hey, good morning. What's going on, you guys? Living the dream, oh. my man. Man, I, um, I, I want to say um, I think what, what, what intrigues me more is what my wife and kids look at. So I want to say Star Wars. But also, you got to think about it, how sales and promoting. I mean, I, I, we've gone to Universal Studios. We did the Harry Potter land. And it's only about 30-minute wait for the ride. We go to Disneyland. It's like two hours, man. Two. Did he just I, drop an F-bomb yes, while trying to, to break down Harry Potter yes. World versus Disney yes. World? That went south in a hurry. Can you grab that during the break and just bring back Julian from Oakland, who was like, rolling pretty smooth and then i don't even think it was an angry f-bomb he just dropped an f-bomb trying to break down the lines at (laughs) universal studios for harry potter versus disneyland yeah that was just an excited because it's an only 30 minute long wait in the line yeah he was very very interested in that can you grab that seriously because we had to drop it so i don't think anybody else will be able to hear it out there but if we could grab that with obviously the f-bomb like uh wiped out that's maybe the first time that we've had an F-bomb. That's a major... First of all, the fact that we still have FCC restrictions for stuff like this is... I mean, do we live in the 1940s? Uh, I think everybody out there listening would be like, you know what, I can probably handle Julian breaking down. But anyway, I think it is actually really funny. We'll play it for Petros and see what he thinks. Uh, and also, we're going to have Petros Papadakis up next. We had to bump him yesterday because we got into the Anthem discussion. And uh, thankfully today, we've avoided the Anthem discussion, much to my wife's uh, re- relief. But we're going to talk to Petros Papadakis next. Star Wars versus Harry Potter. Which does he hate more? Because I don't think he's going to like either. Which does he hate more? We will discuss. I am Clay Travis. This is the Geico Outkick Studios. And you're hanging out with us here on Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning. Pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to do you do today. Join now by our guy Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money. AM 570 Sports in LA. Did I get that right? Nope. Nah, it's the way it should be. AM 570 LA Sports. I don't know why LA comes before sports. Well, don't upset my bosses. I know your boss. He's out in uh, Japan now, so we're I safe. I know. He's going to be anything. very upset if you don't say it right. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, so have you ever watched a Harry Potter or Star Wars movie? Yeah. Both? Mm-hmm. Which do you like more? Well, come on, Clay. That's stupid. I'm not a millennial. Uh, see, I, I, I... Look, I got to go with Princess Leia. She was coked up to the rafters. These guys at Harry Potter are a bunch of millennials eating cauliflower crust pizza i can't have that i'm star wars all the way harrison ford was a carpenter on the set of uh american graffiti star wars what's wrong with you what kind of question is that you know what i'm not i mean do star trek or star wars or something make it interesting i'm I'm not even that much of a star wars freak but but harry potter you take that to slytherine nobody wants to hear that (laughs) 
I, I am I am wobbly. I'm going to give my final vote at the end of the show. I've never changed my vote before. Nobody but I think cares. I think there's a good chance I'm going to change my vote. It's got to be Star Wars. That's the, I mean, nobody makes Harry Potter jokes as mainstream societal norms like they do with the Millennium Falcon or Han Solo or Greedo. Nobody does that with Harry Potter because they're millennials, and millennials suck. This is a strong argument to come uh, come right out of the gate with. Um, well, you know and- what? I'm a little upset. Uh, first of all, I got bumped for Trump yesterday, <laughs> and and second of all, people have been texting me about Harry Potter versus Star Wars since four thirty this morning Pacific time, and I'm freaking tired of it. Uh, what did you think when you woke up this morning and had? Did you like what was the like what what is the thing that you get texted about the the Bachelor? I guess probably the Bachelor, the Bachelorette. Like you probably get blown up about that, right? You know, I get texted about whatever we're talking about. Yeah. So it, it really depends on you know something that hits a nerve. I I got excited last week trying to talk about action figures oh. because I think action figures are the wave of the future. I think. Sports teams should sell action figures with accessories and the box and everything. What did you collect? Were you an action figure? I love that idea, by the way. I would much rather have an action figure than a bobblehead. And remember, like back in the day when you could send in the proof of purchase and you got one in the mail and like colliding with sports and action figures, they had like the refrigerator Perry G.I. Joe. And they have a lot of them uh, now. And they do that now a lot, where you like can get the. I, so when you had to get the proof of Perry purchase, GI Joe has got to be worth thousands now, oh. especially if it's in the box. And I, I hate to nerd out about action figures, but I really do believe that action figures are the wave of the future. I would way rather, if I was like a Cleveland fan, have a LeBron action figure with like a safety pin and like a plane ticket you know, and cool shoes or something, uh, and way more than a LeBron bobblehead, wouldn't you? Yeah, by far. That's a great point. And I, you know what's cool? Your kids are probably not old enough for this yet, but my seven-year-old is convinced that the 1980s, when he's correct, are the greatest generation in the history of mankind to have been a kid. And so he I loves... I mean, it's hard to argue with. Remember the robot in Rocky Four? Oh, he loves 1980s era toys so they have these shows now like when i was a kid you would go to a baseball card show right like i mean if you were a kid and you were really into sports they had baseball card shows and everybody loved baseball cards you'd buy them you know at the at the cash register with your mom when you're leaving the grocery store whatever you'd you know collect them i mean i can still vividly remember what a big deal it was every year to see what the new baseball card from tops or Donruss, or Leaf, or Upper Deck eventually, what they were going to look like. Like, every year was a brand new design. I still remember, like, the 1987 wood-paneled baseball card where they're like, nice. everybody had hardwood floors back in the day. Did you um, make a Fleer call? No. Oh, Fleer call, big time. Like, Fleer, they had that great baby blue year where, like, the entire border was... I mean, it was awesome. And then 1989, they came out with Upper Deck, and Upper Deck just dunked on every other card that had ever existed. Plus... They made Ken Griffey Jr. the number one overall card in that set, and it was like, oh my god, you got to get it. And then they had a Michael Jordan card, like a Billy Ripken with like the curse word on the on the. You remember that? Like the, uh-huh. the they had the error cards. Oh, I absolutely loved everything about baseball cards, but those aren't as popular these days with kids. What's popular now is they have these vintage toy conventions. 
So you'll go in and like all the toys that you used to either want or play with when you were a kid, they have them all for sale. And it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Like my my son is running around looking at them thinking like, oh, dad, look at all these vintage toys. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like these are all the toys. You know, you'd go back in the day to Toys R Us before they went bankrupt and you'd go in and like you'd be pouring through all the action figures looking for the one that you wanted. Oh, all the way to the back. All the way to the back. Just in case. You never knew. You know, they might have, you know, the one that you really wanted all the way at the back there. And, they might uh, have Shipwreck from G.I. Joe, that, or, that uh, ambiguously gay sailor. Or Serpentor, one of the great oh, G.I. Joes of all time. the greatest. Oh, I loved Serpentor. If he played for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they'd be 10 games in first place. <laughs> I always tell people that. But you remember Mask? Oh, yeah. Play? Yeah. Now, those toys are expensive. Like, you can't find a mask where they put the mask on and the car changes like a Transformer. Oh yeah, I remember those. I remember those, and I remember. Um, did you watch any of the like early Japanimation in America? I loved Star Robotech. Blazer, Star Blazers, and I was obsessed with Robotech. Oh, like, Robo- Robotech! Min-Mei. I almost got a Minmay tattoo. I still oh, might. God. I was in love with Robotech. And Is it bad? Is it creepy to get a teenage? Uh- Japanese girl on your arm. When <laughs> Not in Japan. Years old and married. That's normal in Japan. Everybody's got teenage Japanese girls on their on their tattoos. I'm staring at action figures right now at my desk. I have Sato, the bad guy from Karate Kid Part Two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I that's a great one. Moss Man, the moss colored uh, weed themed He Man character. Uh, I have William Shakespeare action figure. He's got a scroll. He's and right. I have a James Joyce. That is that's fantastic. I've actually got He's action blind. figures on my desk too. I have got uh, Khaleesi. I've got uh, Daenerys Targaryen from uh, Game of Thrones. I have got Zaymont and Tomax still in the original oh, that's package. Strong. The, the crimson, yes, the crimson uh, crimson guard twins, I believe. Um, I have got, uh, and it's funny. Like my kids will come up into my office and they're like, "Dad, why do you still have those guys in their package?" I'm like, "Don't touch them." Uh, you know, the, 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 these my are not to be played opened with. my Kamala, the Ugandan giant WWF action figure, and I, I'm still not over it. Uh, and then I have Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh, uh, which, very strong. Back in the day. Um, so all, all the- I'm saying is I tried to make the action figure argument go the way you're trying to make Harry Potter versus Star Wars Action go. figures, I'm with you because I, w- I do think it would be – I would much rather – because I got a bunch of bobbleheads too because you could go to the games or whatever, the Tennessee Titans. People send I'm, them. Yeah, people send them out all the time. But I don't know what you do with a bobblehead, whereas the great thing about an action figure is you create your own story with it. Like you put a bobblehead up and like you just leave it and you never touch it again. There are a lot of options. Now think of this, Clay. On Outkick the Coverage, you could sell a Clay Travis action figure with the hair and the nipples. <laughs> now, here's Have another ever, question. By the way, before we even get there, while you mentioned my nipples, you know what I'm really thinking about doing? I'm thinking about no, getting... don't. I, I mean, I swear to God. Don't. You're 40 years old. Some You're married. Thir- you have children. 39 years old. I have the worst nipples and the worst, like man boobs of all time just somebody, live your life somebody your reached boob. out to me and offered to give me a male boob job they're I'll like you'll have the best you. nipples you will have the best like chest ever seen i'm really kind of thinking about doing it clay clay 
don't get a breast reduction surgery. I've never had plastic surgery before, but I'm thinking if it would they, be great to have like nice. You have bad nipples too. No, you have tiny nipples. No, sorry. Wait a minute. Don't sorry, bring sorry, my nipples into this. I'm you have tiny nipples. Surgery. I see. I see men with tiny nipples, and I think I wish I had tiny nipples too. Well, I have tiny nipples. You have like you have like dime sized nipples. I've got like half dollar nipples. I would say mine are more like buttons on a button down shirt. Yes, and what would you describe mine as? Like a Stewart saucer cap. plate. <laughs> I mean, I I don't maybe think like I, the top of a ball jar. I got a bad draw on the nipple genetics. Yeah, but if you get a nipple reduction, there's no way for a doctor to cut nipples to make it look natural. So they're going to look like they're pasted on, which, as a matter of fact, they are. That's and what I want. And they're going to have big anchor scars under it, like a you woman think? would if she had a breast reduction. Uh, and no one's going to believe that that's your chest, because the rest of your body's going to look like the rest of your body. Just stop, dude. I got zero issues with anything else on my body. I just wish I had good nipples. Live your life. It, 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 when Howard Stern got, I got a the- nose job... I lost a lot of respect for him. I've got the beach beach house now. My nipples are out and about quite a bit. Wear tassels like the graduate. <laughs> and now, I let can't me ask be, you a question. I can't be guy with the shirt at the beach. No, you can't. Just live your life and be proud of your big nipples that God put on your giant uh, fleshy chest. <laughs> now, what question you got? Yes. What three accessories would be in the Clay Travis action figure i have my three accessories figured oh, this out is would tough. you like this to know what t- they are one would be uh yeah i want to hear your three a prozac my cpap machine and my albuterol inhaler <laughs> those would actually be really cool because the accessory that like so i'm thinking what would i want my accessories to be um i think one would be a radio headset so you could put a radio headset on me Ugh. Uh, I think uh, boring. Boring. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm a really exciting guy, other than the nipple job. It would. I mean, I'd have to be covered in a shirt. Or what else, would your wife like, tell her friends if I got a nipple job? Where's Where's your husband? Oh, he's laid up after his breast reduction. <laughs> it would be amazing. Oh, I think it would be incredible radio to do. Uh, you know, live radio as I recover from my uh, nipple nipple surgery. What if you have like chest pain for the rest of your life? Well, my fear was. Didn't Joan Rivers die in her surgery? Yeah, do they Kanye have to put West mom and a lot of other people yeah, that aren't famous? Like, what if I died getting a nipple reduction? Like that would be a tough way to go. There would be a, a great celebration by your enemies. Oh, there would be joy in the Twitter streets. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> by the way, we did you hear about the? Uh, we were talking about this earlier in the show. We're talking to Petros Papadakis. You See can follow how no him. one cares about the items with the action figures? This is well, what I tried to make happen, and no one cares. Well, I just think it's tough to come up with cool items. Like I said, a, a radio headset. I don't even know what my other items in my, in my action figure would be. How about a match? Because you're freaking inflammatory. But the match is not cool to see the action figure hold. Maybe a lighter. How about gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> Just a huge can of gasoline. All right, That's go not... ahead. Ask me your sports question. Um, no, it's not really. It's not a sports question at all. Did you see the story about the the, uh, the this went to Ethiopia and we obviously do the Animal Thunderdome on the show? A priest in Ethiopia or a minister was conducting baptisms, and I said, "Look, I was raised Southern Baptist. I've been immersed fully with the, underneath the water. Like, but we did it in my church." 
in a like bathtub, basically like a, a pool area directly behind the uh, the pulpit. So uh-huh. it's not like you had to go out to a lake or a river or anything like that. But in Ethiopia, they did the baptism in a crocodile infested uh, uh, lake. And why this is not made up story. While the baptisms were going on, a crocodile grabbed the minister conducting the baptism and killed him. Okay. So the, the all of the people out there have to go and like they rescued the guy's body, but he would the, the minister his life died literally as he was conducting baptisms. How much okay. would you have to be paid right now to get on a plane to Ethiopia to put on the vestments or whatever else you need to put on? to wade into a crocodile-infested lake in Ethiopia to give these other uh, members of the congregation a baptism. Well, can we move the baptism outside of the crocodile-infested no, lake? No, no, I mean, no, 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 no. The whole purpose of this is that you have to be risking your life in a crocodile-infested lake. My, the natural reaction is, why would you ever do the baptism in a crocodile-infested lake? Like that seems like a bad. Well, clearly, decision. you feel like God's going to protect you, and clearly, God did not work. Yes, God and allowed him to be killed by a crocodile while the baptisms were going on. Yeah, that didn't work out. I'm Greek Orthodox, and and mostly our our priests just violently dunk us in a giant golden baptismal fountain that looks like one of those big green eggs you can buy at barbecues galore. Yes. Uh, I don't think there's any amount of money That's in the what, world. My I'm, answer. Not, I'm not going to Ethiopia. That was my answer. I was like, "There's." I, I, it's rare that I say this, but I don't think there's any amount of money you could pay me to get on a plane to Ethiopia to go to this lake filled with crocodiles and try to baptize people right after the minister was killed. Because, by the way, and I don't, I don't know make what as the, much money as you or, or brag about it on Twitter. I'm not and, the kind of guy to brag, but I do no, have a No, no, you're not. You're very yeah. humble. Very humble. But the um, truth is, there's not enough money in the world. As you know, I don't even go in the ocean. And right. there are no crocodiles in the Pacific Ocean where I live. And several people tagged me on this story, which seems like the, the, uh, the shark hanging on the rim. In Brazil, a guy got attacked by a tiger shark, and he died. And do you know, do you know this story? Do you know how the guy died? Uh, uh, no. The shark bit his penis off and he bled out. I was going to guess that. Is that the worst way to die? I uh, I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Maybe, maybe in, uh, on the table at a breast reduction surgery <laughs> when you're a public but it, figure. But at least then I'm asleep. Like, I don't know that I'm dying. Yeah, maybe he just went into shock, hopefully. I, I don't know. That's an awful story, and I, it is, I hate it. It is an awful story. But that, why, why do that's you have why to you, tell me that story? That's just because upsetting. you don't go into the ocean. I think it confirms every fear you would ever have. I get, like, if you told me that anybody at my beach was going to get their penis bitten off and would die in the next 40 years, I would not go in the water. That's in my lifespan. I don't want to never go guy. in the water again. Yeah. I don't I mean, want to worth the, the off chance that that's going to be me. I don't want to be that guy. Or at and, least and I would was never. Penis, what was it like to the shark? I, I, that's like, what I'm what did shark... you think it was? Like a like a popsicle? Like a <laughs> don't like a, know. Like a push up? This, this is my point. This is why you should always wear pants because you never know when an animal is going to think that your penis is like just a uh, you know like a, a worm or some sort of uh, delectable device for him to eat. I I just got to tell you this right now. I, uh, I'm terrified when I think about this story. 
in every possible way. I think it's the worst. And when I think of the worst way you could die, a shark biting off your penis and you bleeding out, I think is number one on the list of worst ways to die. Yeah, I think I don't think it's happened very much, but uh, taking a selfie and then getting hit by a car in India is pretty rough too. That happen that actually happens a lot more often. People than die the from penis. selfies all the time, but to me, that's you being stupid. Like if you're on the edge of a cliff and you're like, "Oh, I've got to get this great picture." Well, if you're and trying to the- tease a shark with your junk. That's pretty stupid. No, I don't too. think the guy was doing the helicopter with his penis, trying to see whether the tiger shark would get him or not. I'm sure he panicked because he heard like, "Oh, there's a shark in the area." And next thing you know, he's dead. And his penis is gone. I mean, it might have been pretty big. It doesn't matter. You know, for the shark to be able to get a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, maybe that's you know, the for pot- it to fit all the way into the shark's mouth. Yeah, I can think about the physics of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because the uh, shark's whole body is made out of cartilage. And, and they don't so get cancer. So he'd have to smash his face up against the guy's hips to really get a hold and a bite on that thing. <laughs> this is the worst story ever out of Brazil. Yeah. Uh, Petro, Petros Papadagas, thanks for joining us this morning. You know what? In Brazil, you could also wake up on a in a bathtub filled with ice without a kidney when you I've were having a great this. night with a beautiful that's, woman. That's This is also a, a horrible figure. Don't go to Brazil. Don't go to Ethiopia. Don't get breast reduction surgery. Get on the action figure wave. That's a great exit. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night. It's Petra. <laughs> good, good morning. Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money breaking down the news. Did we do the – we haven't done the update. Bring in Eddie Garcia. What's up, Eddie? Do we do the update? I can't remember if we, we did have the not, We not. have not right. done the update. So let us give you a Geico playoff report with Game 3 of the NBA Finals coming up tonight in Cleveland. Cavaliers hosting the Warriors. Golden State with a 2-0 series lead. As for changes for the Cavs, head coach Tyron Luce said, told reporters Tuesday guard Rodney Hood would see more action in Game Number 3. Don't know if that'll make a difference or not. Warriors guard Andre Iguodala upgraded to questionable for Game 3 as he's missed the last six games with a knee injury. In baseball, Max Scherzer for the Nationals is the first 10-game winner in the major leagues. Boston's J.D. Martinez, the first player to hit 20 home runs this season. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico at the Coverage Studios. We're going to close out with an epic finish. Uh, guys have suggestions about what uh, my accessory should be if I had an action figure. Petros Papadakis will be pleased. Uh, in the meantime, call 800-947-AUTO if you need to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. This is the Geico Outkick Studio. We did the Harry Potter land, and it's only about 30-minute wait for the ride. We go to Disneyland, it's like two hours, man. Oh, that was our uh, our guy. I'm trying to pull up his name here. What was his name in uh, Oakland who dropped an F-bomb while trying to break down the Harry Potter land versus Disneyland? Julian. Julian in Oakland, yes, dropping the F-bomb. We did the Harry Potter land, and it's only about 30-minute wait for the ride. We go to Disneyland, it's like two hours, man. We had to drop him as he broke down the line situation in Harry Potter land versus Disneyland. Um, uh, We are rolling through. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. I'm flipping my vote. I am abandoning. I am am a uh, a wish-washy, weak man. I am going back on my vote that Harry Potter is better. And I now am going back on the Star Wars side. Uh, 12,000 of you have voted. Um, in the first hour of which is a better series of films, Star Wars or Harry Potter, 12,000 of you in. 
and I'm now back on Star Wars. Now, a couple of questions for the crew. We just talked with Petros Papadakis. I uh, encourage you to go download the podcast. Uh, what was your suggestion of what my action figures should come with, Jason Martin? Well, now uh, it makes even more sense, but one thing would have to be extra flip-flops, which you just did with Harry Potter and yep. Star Wars, destroying your own credibility multiple times on this show. But you, you basically, I've only seen you not wearing flip-flops like three times. And we've been on trips, you know, we've been on Radio Row, it doesn't matter. Like, you are a flip-flop guy. I think that you would already have them, but you would have a backup pair. Yeah, that just makes sense. In case the flip flop Uh, blows out, because that's happened a couple of times. For old school flip flop wears, if you really are committed to the flip flop, every now and then just one just blows out. Like right, like your 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 something goes wrong with it, and when the flip flop stops working, that's a real downside. Like if you're wearing a tennis shoe, there's virtually nothing that can happen to a tennis shoe where you can't wear it anymore. I guess for women. If you're wearing heels, every now and then a heel breaks, and I don't know what you do then. I would just lose my mind if I were a woman at work and my heel just broke off and I had one heel that would work and the other heel that wouldn't work. I don't even know what you do. Like, how do you walk? What do you? I, I, the, the, the mere concept of that is driving me insane. That's a good idea. Uh, an Acer laptop from like 1925. Uh, People make fun of me. is ancient. People make it's not even ancient. I just keep buying the cheapest laptop every time. And I know the people who broke into my car in Atlanta and stole my laptop. They were like, Oh, we're going to get hooked up here. And then they stole it. And it was like a $150 Acer. <laughs> I mean, I just, believe, on it. I just believe that I travel so much that when I think if you constantly put your laptop through the, uh, the, the check in and like you're knocking it around and everything else. I would rather have a bunch of cheap laptops because everything's on the cloud now. I don't know how the cloud works, but as long as you've got the ability to get on the internet, it's not like you lose anything. Like back in the day, if you lost your laptop, you would lose tons of things and it was a disaster. Nowadays, I just have to remember my passwords to be able to log in on a new laptop so it's not that big of a deal to lose anything. That's a good one. Uh, Another one would be a studio key card for Florida. Sold separately because you left it inside the building and thus I think didn't I'm have getting it in unfair, hand. Hold on. I think I'm getting unfairly criticized about last week in Florida when they gave me a key card and I didn't have it with me. I have like five key cards. All right. They all look identical. And so I had my key card to get into Nashville, but I didn't have my key card to get into Florida. I also still had my key card to get into the Fox lot in Los Angeles. So all these key cards in my wallet, I just had the wrong car that I was driving that morning because I had thought through this already, and I'd been like, oh, make sure you leave your key card in the like beverage holder, mm. and then I drove the wrong car. It's, okay. The flaw here is that the guy who was supposed to be paid, DJ Big Boy, All right, well, that was that was my second part. There's, a, there's also there. a tag pack. There's also a two-pack with you and DJ Big Boy, <laughs> yes. but he's only in one of ten Yeah, because sometimes he doesn't I, show up. I meant to bring this up. I tip DJ Big Boy for uh, coming in every morning to do the show for two weeks while I was down in Florida. I did nine shows. Three of the times he was not on time. Like, if I had been relying on him exclusively – a third of the time that he was supposed to be there, the show would not have started on time. But I still tipped him. We need to talk about that tomorrow. Was I too generous to DJ Big Boy to give him 100 bucks, even though he wasn't there for three out of the nine days at yes. the time he was supposed to be there? 
Yes. You think I was too generous. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. I'm just a generous guy. What can I say? I'm a giver, not a taker, a giver. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.